You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I am Tom <laughs> Knezic, and today we are buzzing into episode 63 of the uh, plant podcast that will report you for plant theft. So, <laughs> I, was, I was actually surprised by their answer that they didn't have, know a lot, a lot of people were taking plants. I guess I thought less of people. <laughs> you know, and I don't know... You know, because we're in a small town here, mm-hmm. and everyone kind of knows us. We don't really notice any theft here. Not saying that it may not occur, but we don't really notice it. Like if a plug ends up missing out of three million plugs, you may not yeah. notice it. But <clears throat> when I worked at the Connor Pyle Company, which is Star Roses, like I would go in on Sundays sometimes just to check, mm-hmm. and there would be people parked at the side of the road walking across a field to steal <laughs> roses and walking back. Like you'd catch them yeah. with like oh, yeah. four in their hands. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. You know, it's it's amazing. Like the theft, mm-hmm. like, and yeah. that was like even to get to the entrance, you had to go through woods. There was a gate. Like people would, we had an instance where someone backed the gate, like the truck through the gate and filled up with stuff all throughout the nursery yeah like a ton of stuff yeah a lot of people don't recognize that these are things that have a value and especially when they're on a private property sometimes they're being raised for that value yeah and um and yeah you shouldn't just go taking even just seeds you shouldn't just go take seeds make sure you have permission first before you do yeah. any of that because it is a serious thing um one of the things that i i always laugh at uh so new jersey's famous for uh, well I think every state says they're famous for their sweet corn, but yeah. we, being from New Jersey, know that New Jersey is famous for its sweet yes, corn. Yes. And um, but uh, so a lot of people say, well, I'm going to game the system, and that farm field that I'm driving by, I'm just going to go grab corn out of there, not realizing that that isn't sweet corn. Yeah. Uh, it's it's usually raised for for animal feed or mm-hmm. other uses, and uh, so yeah, you see people pulled over and they're picking corn off of the farmer's field, and they they are stealing from that yeah. farmer. It's, yeah. It's theft, but uh, you kind of know that they're going to feel it later when they actually eat that corn so it's kind of makes it worthwhile yeah (laughs) so sometimes you warn them sometimes you don't so yeah uh, it's 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 sad to see the amount of theft that happens uh when it comes to plants but you know just do the right thing it's mm -hmm. you know if you if you if you're doing it all for the right reasons you're not the ones that are that are stealing yeah yeah (laughs) So. so but we have a, a a tradition to uphold now. We've had a few quick episodes in a row, so we, the buzz was intended to be um, a, a shorter form. I don't want to say short form, but a shorter form than our, our general discussions. And uh, and our listener and former guest Rick McCoy reminded me of that the other day when yes. he came to visit, because we always say, "Oh yeah, this will be a quick one," and then it's like an hour and a half later. Although the, still going on on, on episode uh, fifty nine, we kept it to an hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sixty one, we were like an hour fifteen. And, and that's what I'm saying. We're doing a good job. All right, so we're gonna keep, keep it going, it, and we're right. gonna get right into the plants that we're vibing with this week. And that's hot. That's hot. Would you like to go? Would yeah, you like yeah, yeah, sure, sure. 
Uh, my plant this week is my noted favorite plant on this podcast. I, it held out two weeks for me so I could choose it, and that is uh, Liatris spicata, which is how I pronounce it. When I just started looking up the pronunciation keys just on oh, all the different resources I kind of gather some information from, um, things like wildflower.org and yeah. Missouri Botanical Garden and Jersey Friendly Yards, you have the pronunciation keys, and some of them, they're all different. <laughs> yeah, I know. And <laughs> so that's... some of them, like I say Liatris spicata, but then some say liatris liatris yeah i can't even say the second way they pronounced it but but i say i say liatris as well mm -hmm. whether it it be right or wrong yeah but uh also known the common name is dense blazing blazing star sometimes people just call it blazing star but there are a variety of of liatris species um it's a facultative species it likes moist soils it's not gonna be in super wet areas it's kind of like that like wetland fringe is where you're gonna find it. Where the yeah. soil is still wet, but it's not considered technically a wetland. Um, the the height specs on this were all over the place. When I typically see it, it's somewhere between like two and four feet tall. If I saw a four foot tall one, I would say that's a really big liatris. Yeah. Uh, the the listing says they can get up to like six feet tall. I've that, never seen. I've one never like. seen that. <laughs> but I guess it's somewhere, uh, somewhere is really happy. It likes that. It likes full sun. It's um, it's tall, upright, kind of forms a clump. The the leaves. One of my favorite parts of it are the leaves. Kind of look like um, almost ish How they form that clump yeah. and then then fall or fan out, uh, similar to carexes do. Um, and then the flowers are tubular. Tub- tubular it's basically a long stalk and it's got all these like purplish pinkish flowers on there um and they're really fuzzy looking so why i like it just as a a garden plant is it just provides completely different texture than almost anything else you see even cardinal flower and blue lobelia they aren't like this because this has that fuzziness to it where cardinal flower and blue lobelia don't um but uh it's native to 26 states and another one of my favorite parts about this plant is uh well i I'm going to back up. Great for pollinators, and another reason I like it is it's great for pollinator photos because you have that flower stalk on is vertical. Yes. They're landing on it vertical, and you get them at a different angle than you would if you were taking a picture of them on a cone flower or eupatorium where they're now, I guess, their feet are facing the ground. Yeah. On a liatris, they're going to be facing uh, the horizon. So, um, But another thing I really like about this is if you notice, especially in the, the fall and winter, Right at the base, there's a just like a hard brown thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, some people call it a bulb, but it's actually a corm, and um, that kind of is like the nucleus for all the energy for that plant. So a lot of people with a lot of perennials, they'll die back over the winter. They aren't evergreen. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll die back, and you won't have a lot of above ground life, if any above ground life. Um, Liatris, basically the whole thing dies back to that corm, um, but. In most perennials, the roots stay alive. So if you were to dig up, the roots are still white and, and look great. Yeah. And this isn't just Blazing Star, but a lot of the Liatra species, the roots actually die back too. And it sucks back in all that energy of that corn. The roots die back and degrade, and it'll send out new roots each year, which is really interesting for like compacted soils because it just keeps opening up that soil that uh, over, awesome. over and over year after year. So it's... Uh, one of the few plants that I know does that, and it was Claudia, Claudia West taught me that. Yeah. So awesome! Yeah. I think duck potato does that as well. It dies back to I the tuber, it, yeah. you yeah. know, and then and, and regoes. Yeah. But that and that's a great cut flower as well. It and really it, is, it, yeah. It, and it's in all its glory right now. It's a mm-hmm. great, great choice. Oh, yeah. So um, I went with spotted horsemint this week, uh, Monarda punctata. It is an upland species. 
what what made me think of it was we have a bed of ferns outside of our office and they kind of volunteered themselves into that bed which was nice to see the the bed had gotten disturbed a little bit and mm-hmm. and there were a few plants coming up in there uh upland plant two to three foot tall uh dry site uh with yellow and pink tubular flowers flecked with purple occurring in whorls uh common in old fields um like i said it's volunteering in our beds it's it's a pollinator superstar it really mm-hmm. is in our in our seed fields when that block is blooming it's it's amazing you can hear it before you see it if you're if you're walking into it um and it is aromatic uh mm-hmm. kind of a little bit like greek oregano if you know what that smells like and it is native to 33 states so i think it's a you know to me it's not as showy as some of the other minorities like the description sounds phenomenal maybe it's because i'm colorblind like it is a pretty <laughs> flower but i i don't think it looks as it's a it's another striking. unique flower yeah, yeah. it's it's when you think of like a, a flowers like wildflowers this isn't something what you're gonna picture something looking like no. it's really unique structure wise yeah and um and going to i'm not a scientist or, or an entomologist but going towards the 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 insect side of things the pollinator side of things when you when i would walk around our, our seed blocks and see all the flowers in bloom well you go to the echinacea and you see a lot of bumblebees and yeah. a lot of like more common species yeah. you go to the minarda punctata and it was all like weird stuff in the yeah like bright blue metallic wasps and all this like golden it, uh, uh golden there's another wasp that kills caterpillars that's really cool uh, golden something wasp i can't remember but uh yeah just really unique pollinators on that species as well it's not your yes. your typical things it's so. unique looking it's a little bit different than other minarda it, it services a lot of pollinators it's a great plant if and that's definitely one to add to your your mm-hmm. garden if you don't have both of these are yeah you should be right. adding all the ones every week that we mentioned yeah don't you agree? I, if, well, if you live in the if you yeah. live in the Mid Atlantic and it's native to your area and uh, and you have the right conditions for it, then yeah, you should well, be that's adding that. Thirty three states. Yours, I mean, yeah, and it, most of those for, for Liatris, I should have mentioned, most of those states are uh, east of the the Mississippi. Yeah, um, I, like I think with the Minarda punctata goes out to Texas. Mm-hmm. I want to say right around there. So, so all right, we're keeping it. Yeah, keeping it compact. Yeah. So with that, we're going to move on to this week's botany based current events. Uh, and of course, we always make it a competition. Someone's got to be a winner. Let's get into this or that. So we do have a winner because there has to be a winner, and the winner this week is Tom. Tom, I'm on a roll, right? You, I've, uh, I've I won last. I think I won last week. Oh. Actually, well, I'm you had two. Yeah. I just kind of, <laughs> you know, and. All right, you know, I've been debating this. I've been debating it since I put it together. I, I really have, but <laughs> I haven't complained in a while. And you know what? I and I feel bad even saying something. You, so you won eight to three, mm-hmm. like pretty handily. It wasn't even close um, the whole time. Um, and the articles were you had the opinion piece on saving New York's wild spaces. I had the uh, research on. Uh, aspirin coating for aspirin seed coating mm-hmm. for for help you know and typically i you know we both want to win but we're both presenting great articles and i i i still think yours is a great article this one really hurt me because i really <laughs> felt that you know to me on my side i i feel that new york city's always been very progressive about saving mm-hmm. their open spaces and they've they've invested millions and millions of dollars over 10 years uh, or over the years, not ten years, but 
they've invested a lot of money into that infrastructure and they're continually doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of feel like it was an opinion piece and I appreciate the fact that it was in a big paper for a lot of people to see, to put it on people's minds uh, and for other places to do that. But I just kind of felt like, well, they're already doing that. Like they're already <laughs> like they're already saving it. They're progressive. This was something to help all restoration mm-hmm. future. Like this, some scientific discovery using something natural to do it, and it kind of hurt. But the other thing was too that hurt was I felt that we didn't really get a lot of votes. In yeah, general. I was surprised. But we we also didn't do the the double post and I, and I all did that. I did oh, I okay. reshared I it. Notice. Yeah, I even reshared it. So I was kind of uh-huh. hoping resharing it would get a couple more votes yeah. but it wasn't even close like our, yeah. our listeners you would have just lost like 21 to 3 yeah i know <laughs> i know i was trying but you know and it's really not a complaint i think it's a wonderful i think article. it's more of like a, a take re- pity on me plea for votes is what it really it was. sounds like oh wait it, it was <laughs> if you read the post you'll know it was a, a blatant a blatant plea for votes for me but i don't know it's it's the first one where i kind of felt like you know, we always feel that our article should win. This mm-hmm. one, I really felt my article should win. I was really yeah. a little. Sometimes you just gotta you gotta play the people, friend. Yeah. It, you take like this week. I took another risk. It's something a little different. It's out there, but uh, but I don't want to spoil it yet. So I'm gonna let you go first with, with oh, your article. Okay. Yeah. You know, I I had to choose between two, and mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure which one to go with. And ultimately, I didn't play to the audience. I I picked one that I liked. But <laughs> but it is it sounds really really interesting. I haven't read the article, but just reading your uh, description of it now, it sounds really cool. I thought it was interesting, and it's something I hope I see more of in the future. So the name of the article is "This Man Documented Five Thousand Trees Being Killed by Vines in Tacoma Park, which is in Washington D.C." And the article is by Jacob Fenston on NPR.org. And as always, I've highlighted just a few uh, paragraphs that will sum it up very nicely, uh, which I will read. So during the sultry summer months in the D.C. region, it's easy to spot invasive vines climbing high into the tree canopy along roadways, smothering native plants and trees and giving the mid-Atlantic's temperate deciduous forests a tropical jungle, jungle vibe. A new report makes a case that freeing trees from these vine invaders is an essential tool to fight climate change. Jesse Buff with the Chesapeake Climate Action Network authored the study after cataloging the vines present in every single city block in Tacoma Park, Maryland. He did it on a foot. He did it on foot walking the city's 36 miles of roadway. I walked probably quite a bit more than that, says Buff. I had to keep going back and forth in many cases surveying the front and backs of houses. In all, Buff counted nearly 5,000 trees and affected by invasive vines that's not counting trees with just a few tendrils creeping up the trunk uh the trees he counted as affected are so threatened they're likely to be killed by the vines within the next five to seven years the in-depth study of tacoma park's vines provides a fine fine grain snapshot of a stubborn regional problem the mid-atlantic's climate with a lengthy warm season provides perfect conditions for a number of fast-growing sun-loving vines native to asia these include porcelain berry, Chinese wisteria, Japanese wisteria, Japanese honeysuckle, winter creeper, myelominate, and oriental bittersweet. One of the most common and destructive uh, English ivy is native to Europe. So I, I, that that sums it up pretty good, you know. And that was a really in-depth going over thirty-six miles, mm-hmm. five thousand trees. You know, could either sound like not that many or a lot to me. That's a lot when you think of invasive struggling out and canopy that will be opened up 
that will allow more invasives to to take hold. Mm-hmm. So it's um, if he's saying they're going to lose these trees in five to seven years and they're being taken out by invasives, that's only going to open up the light for more invasives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty – to me, that is – first of all, I felt it was interesting that it was done by a climate change organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so that – protecting native plants is a climate change issue as well as just choking out a, a native plant issue so i i would like to see more areas do this um you know we know invasives are a problem but when you start to quantify it like that it puts it in a whole different perspective and i would like to see more of that and hopefully this article brings more of that to light mm-hmm. and unfortunately i guess in a way is that a well, it's something you can take to uh, city councils, town councils, those kind of places, and then present it. Yeah. Um, and if that number doesn't go far enough, and this is why I said, unfortunately, you can even put a dollar figure on that. Now that you have, once you have the data to figure out, okay, this is the number of trees, well, then you can figure out what the value of those trees are. Yeah. Say, well, this is actually costing us X amount of dollars um, yeah. in, in issues. And uh, and that's a, a big way to make a difference. But that is an amazing amount of trees and I'd, I'd wonder what we're seeing just in our own area you know and um, it's and it's funny because they've done that kind of thing never happens with trees i've seen them do it with pavement mm-hmm. like we do this much in road repair when you have impervious payment this much in road repairs you have to do these things for one water runoff and sewage but if you used impervious pavement it's this much up front but you're saving this much over 20 years like there's been tons of research and monetization that has gone into that Mm-hmm. for stormwater but not really the plants yeah itself like hey if we did this much invasive plant removal it costs this much but we're saving this canopy that you can't really replace you can't even put a dollar amount on it maybe that's why mm-hmm. that's a little more difficult to do but yeah but um, uh no it's interesting just that's one town's perspective of what's happening like in the rest of maryland virginia the dmv area what's happening in the entirety of the, the mid-atlantic like that's it's only going to get that number is only going to get bigger the, exactly. the further you spread out. Exactly. So. so, but that's that's my article. I'm I you know I'm looking at the the title of yours and I hadn't seen this one or yeah, read it, so yeah. I I'm really curious. To and there's a lot one. going on in this article. All right. So uh, <laughs> I uh, there was so much going on. In fact, that I almost said I I can't do this. <laughs> this is too hard to present. But um, at the end of the day, I said I can't not present it so all right awesome I, with it. I can't um, wait to hear it and it's titled uh meet the philly kid who helped solve the strange case of a missing bee and a rare pennsylvania plant uh and this was by tom averill and it came out in the philadelphia Inquirer about two weeks ago okay um and uh it starts out saying for all anyone knows the scrappy plants with a thimble-sized white flowers have been sprouting from the rocky pennsylvania cliffs for ages yet no one noticed them until a few years ago when a bucknell university botanist and colleagues were rappelling down a 350 foot cliff face in oh my god shikalemi shikalemi state park <laughs> that i just saw it and i'm like i should have practiced that name before i had no idea um and uh, so it continues and says, the identity of, rare, the, of the rare species, Heuchera alba, was determined in 21st century fashion after a group posted a photo on Twitter. And um, and then it started, when I read that, it started to hit me. I've actually heard this story before. This was okay. happened in 2017 or 2016. Um, but uh, the, the professor, uh, 
Dr. Chris Martin of Bucknell University snapped a photo of what he thought was Heuchera americana, uh, which is a fairly common plant, put it on Twitter, and uh, got a reply on Twitter saying, nope, that's not it, <laughs> from, uh, from Ryan Folk, who is then at the Florida Museum of Natural History, and said it looked more like Heuchera alba, and uh, which is an imperiled species and really only known, only known to exist in really tiny populations in Virginia and West Virginia wow. on rocky cliff sides okay. like this. Um, they were able to uh, pos- positively identify it as Heuchera alba and, um, and then found numerous other areas when they started saying, oh, it grows on rocky cliffs, let's more look at more rocky cliffs. And um, as they went to expand their search, they found it. Uh, I think they picked out like 24 locations and found it on 20 of them. But there was more. They also found um, on return trips that there was a really unusual bee that was hovering over the petals and after consulting insect ap- experts they learned it was uh, called the alum root cellophane bee and it was named that because it wraps um, its underground nest nests in a plasticky film that resembles cellophane okay no one had reported seeing this bee in the state for over a century wow which was really just so now they found two things that weren't known to exist really in that state, at least in the last hundred years. Um, and that's where our, our Philly kid comes in. And uh, I'm going to probably mispronounce this name too, but Aeneas Barnes, uh, who used to go to the Community College of Philadelphia and then transferred to Bucknell University to finish out her undergraduate uh, work, um, was enrolled at Bucknell and wanted to go into botany and uh, someone said, hey, you should hook up with Dr. Martine. And uh, they got together, and he says, hey, you need to find me more of these plants and more of these bees. So she went to those 24 sites and actually was the one that was finding a lot of this stuff with another another student. And um, so they were driving even as far as like 200 miles in a day and scoping out different wow. spots along the Susquehanna River. And uh, they found 20 instances of that plant and then six instances of the bee as they, they traveled around. Uh, now... The other component of this this story is well, only four percent of the Bucknell students are are black. Okay. Um, and uh, Anais Barnes is also a black student. Well, there's a Chris Martin's colleague and one one of his assistants is a woman named Tanisha Williams, and she's a postdoctoral fellow, and she was actually the person who founded Black Botanist Week just last year. Oh, okay. And uh, so this was like really just worlds colliding here to to put something like all the right people in the right place to make this discovery and do it with a really minority group of not just uh, the U.S. Yeah. population, but uh, horticulture and botany as on a whole nother level. Um, and then just as an, a side note, Black Botany Week is the second Black Botany Week is uh, scheduled for next week, starting right. July 26th to awesome. the, the 31st. Now, friend, we actually have a unique tie to the story. Oh, that right. as I read it, I'm like, I, I know I've mentioned in the beginning. I know about this story. I've heard about this plant and the bee before, but I didn't. It just wasn't clicking, and I was like, oh, I heard Dr. Martin speak about this at the New Jersey Plant Society meetings. Oh, okay. It might have been three or four years ago, and um, but we're actually tied even further because Dr. Martin is a Rutgers graduate from Cook College and was actually one of my dad's students in his dentrology classes. And uh, really? so I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's why I know. That's pretty I cool. Met him and my dad and him had, hadn't seen each other in a long time. But um, And uh, 
Dr. Martin is a really, really awesome guy. That presentation was awesome because one of the things he really focused on is, hey, if we want to get more people engaged in, in botany, we need to present it in a 21st century way. And that means, like I, he mentioned with the, the finding the, the plant or identifying the plant, you're putting stuff on Twitter. Um, he noticed that most of the wildlife stuff that was happening, or I shouldn't say wildlife, but natural YouTube channels all focused on animals. So he made one that focused on plants, um, which is called, uh, it's a YouTube series called Plants Are Cool Too. And um, so yeah, there's just a lot going on in this story that's really, really awesome. You have a student from Philadelphia who's a, a person of color going to a campus that is predominantly white yeah. um, in, in the middle of Pennsylvania and discovering really cool plants and it's just there's a lot of really awesome things that are happening there, in this story there really so. is it's that's such a great story you know especially like discovering yeah. plants that are in peril and and you know think of what we didn't know about that bee that now maybe mm -hmm. at the national uh bee bee laboratory like yeah. what they'll be able mm -hmm. to learn it, it's just you're right. You know, if I were voting, I'd vote for you this week. Oh, thank you, friend. I'm sure uh, a lot of people. <laughs> and without feeling, I would vote for myself without too. feeling <laughs> bitter about it or complaining about it. I would vote no, for it's, you. Yeah, it's a really good and as hard as it was to parse all that out. The article is super long, but to parse all that out and make it kind of cohesive, I feel for the the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer author who had to make that flow as well make because it, there's so end. many things happening that are really all really really awesome. So awesome yeah, a really cool story two great articles yeah so you guys listening at home it's your turn if you aren't a member of the facebook group the native plants healthy planet facebook group join it because that's the only way you can vote for which article you like yes. better we have some people trying to vote on twitter you had to vote another on vote on twitter i just say so, sorry yeah sorry, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way gotta be, gotta be in the <laughs> facebook group and i know some people are on facebook so you can always let us know which one you like better because it, it does we like it means a it. lot to us when we hear that yes. kind of stuff. But so. join the Facebook group yeah. vote. We'd like to the the votes were down a little bit this weekend and you even got the post up like timely. Like sometimes I know we don't get the post up right away and we don't get as many votes. I wasn't taking a shot at you. No, no, at I, I was like, I, did, I thought you did the post because I was oh, wait, away. Did I? Oh, <laughs> oh, I did. I got and the So if you were All wondering right. why it was timely, it's because Fran did it. <laughs> <laughs> I got the post up timely. Oh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. But, you know, make sure you vote. Um, it means a lot to us, yeah. you know, and it's nice. We always love getting all the feedback. So, all right. So we're less than a half an hour. We'll keep it moving? We're, yeah, we're, oh, we're moving along. All right. So uh, next segment is uh, something that, that Tom started a couple weeks ago, and we're going to keep it rolling with listener shout-outs. Listener, listener, shout-outs. Shout-outs, shout-outs, shout-outs. So this one to me is is – kind of interesting because you know who the person is mm -hmm. um this person works at a local establishment that we frequent uh in town mm -hmm. i always assume like i know who she is and be you know when you go somewhere all the time and we have interactions with work i had just assumed that she knew who i was but apparently <laughs> not <laughs> so which is fine you know it's like one of those things when you're dealing with someone you just dis assume oh yeah you yeah. know but she didn't so I was making a purchase, and uh, this is Erin Kelly, who I, right before she handed me my receipt, she pulled it back, and then she looked at it, and she's like, oh, I, I thought that was you. I listened to the podcast, and I'm really enjoying it. So thank you for letting us know. It's funny. Once I was put in that situation, it was amazing how 
non-talkative <laughs> i became i became like really bashful i was like oh yeah thank you you know yeah. we we really enjoy doing it thank you you know and it was you know i and i kind of left but i really appreciate you taking the time to to letting us know that you listen uh and that you enjoy it that means a lot to us so and just uh, i know um uh, while we're talking about listener shout outs, we did get another, we got two more five-star reviews. Yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you to Wild Quinine who uh, said that they were learning a lot from listening. Awesome. So thank you. Awesome. And we can't go an episode without talking about food. Um, so Aaron works at a place right across yes. town here called Picolissimo Pizza, yes. which has been, I don't I remember going there as a kid. Yeah. So it's been there It's changed locations, but it's it's been there um, for a long time. But uh I've had numerous friends, not just one, mm -hmm. but numerous friends, even ones from upstate New York, from the Buffalo area, say that, that they have the best buffalo chicken pizza that you'll ever get. That's what I so. was picking up, actually. I was getting a buffalo chicken pizza, and my son Darian, him and his friends all swear that that's the best buffalo chicken uh, pizza out yeah, there. I haven't had better. And I like I, it's not my favorite pizza. Well, from there, it's my one of my it, favorite it, pieces. But like if I go other places, I usually don't get it because it's subpar. But from there, it's like it's next level. phenomenal. Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal. So, but, you know, I love their Sicilian pie. They do a really good Sicilian mm -hmm. pie. And that's something that people nail or they're horrible at it. Yeah. So and, and and what I always end up getting there is uh, well, and this is actually a regional thing because we have um a lot of places you go, you'll get like penny olive vodka. Mm -hmm. It seems like around here, maybe just like just south of Trenton, you get vodka rigatoni. Yeah. Um, instead, it's same dish. Yeah. It's just different pasta size, basically. But uh, that's always really good. And then the eggplant parmesan is different than what you get almost anywhere else because it's like sliced like super paper thin. Yeah, they're and eggplant parmesan. Like thirty pieces stacked up. It's awesome. You know, we tend to go there for pizza. They do a taco pizza that again mm. is phenomenal. Yeah. But the the stressful thing for for me on that one is that it is topped with with fresh lettuce so to me it's not one you can yeah you can't like you take it home and reheat it yeah if, if you get that, that pie you're eating that pie you yeah. better make sure there's enough people that like it but everyone loves it oh yeah it's just i feel very stressed because i'm like oh, this pie <laughs> has to get eaten now you what? stressed <laughs> i can't believe it always that. turns into a competition <laughs> so me and darian we got the buffalo chicken pie so I was only planning on eating two slices. We each had two slices. And then he's like, I'm having a third slice. I'm like, really? I'm like full. He goes, so am I, but this pizza's so good. How can you not enjoy it? So we each had three slices. And then I'm like, we have to have the last yeah. slice. And he goes, why? And I'm like, because it's not going to taste as good tomorrow as it tastes and that's, right now. I, I'll actually argue with you on that because I think that is that slice in particular is better reheated really all right it's, something about it just gets a little bit yeah. more it's a little tightened up a little bit more it's a little crispier oh man guess that's what, really good reheated guess what i'm getting on my way home yeah. tonight there buffalo chicken pizza yeah. I'm, I, I, I will let you know tomorrow how i feel about that yeah. so <laughs> so um moving on we, yeah. we have multiple questions oh but i have to give my listener a shout oh. out first oh. and that is yeah, someone that who uh who wrote to us on uh, on our, our email address, which I always forget we have. but um, And that was Rocky Donovan, who works for the Talbot County Soil Conservation District and was just writing in all the different episodes that he's really liked and uh, and a co-connection like that we have, yeah. which is a, a, a customer of ours and longtime friend of, of the nurseries and my dad's, uh, Griff, and, and ours as well, yeah. uh, Griff Evans from ERNM, who I don't know if he listens or not, but we'll see him know. next week, yeah. so we'll, we'll be able to talk to him then, but... 
he was saying he really liked working with Griff. We like working with Griff, and yeah. uh, it's a shame he lives so far away. We'd hang out with him a lot more. Yeah, and it, it was nice to see how passionate uh, Rocky is about a lot of the things we talk about in their professional career and personal mm-hmm. life. Oh, yeah. um, so it was just really nice to get that feedback on multiple episodes. It Definitely. was really nice, and Definitely. we were able to steer Rocky in um, uh, in the direction of some other episodes that we thought would be good. And actually, he listens to Darren's Growing with Nature yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, he was really is, interested in a lot of like the the native edibles. Yeah, and um, which is, we don't. I, the balls kind of like sitting here i'm i gotta push it to get it rolling mm-hmm. but we're we're hopefully gonna have a rooted discussion about that and a little bit more uh gourmet i guess is the word i'll put it so yeah, you don't okay. you don't just yes. have to to have something and actually uh, speaking about native edibles I'll, I'll have a treat for you probably next week it Ooh. might be for the next buzz i'll bring All right. in but, awesome but awesome. i'm getting started on it this weekend so it takes about five to seven days speaking of darren i'm gonna since i'm already complaining this episode i'm gonna continue complaining <laughs> darren if you're listening i know you're a busy man but ever since you started your own podcast you've become less active in our native plants healthy planet facebook group so pick up your game come back <laughs> come don't forget your roots yeah. don't forget your roots <laughs> we all miss you so but it's it's nice to hear all the uh common ties and and how well his podcast is doing oh, yeah. and it's it's uh he's become very very busy so i'm mm-hmm. really happy couldn't happen to a nice person so all right now now should we move on yeah let's sorry do our i didn't questions. mean to oh, that's okay. two two buzz episodes in a row mm-hmm. i i tried to skip my my response was it the same was it the same segment too? Same segment, yeah. Same segment. Yeah. We do your, one, and then your... I, I'm done. <laughs> All right. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? So it's kind of like Beetlejuice. I think we went three episodes and mentioned Saul's name each episode that he hadn't called in. So he's he's back, and he's okay. So he's well, he's he's alive. Which he, <laughs> I wouldn't say he's okay. He's al- <laughs> well, let's 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 hear what Saul had to check in on. No, honey, not now. I'm on the radio with the boys. Root down. I put the roots down. And how are we gonna do it? Do it. Root down. I love the Beastie Boys. Didn't you, fellas? I was sad that young man. He passed away, and and then they don't tour a- anymore. And I thought. Well, if you thought about it, Pam, and I know you know these things, but when Frank Sinatra died, what happened? Frank Sinatra Jr. went out on tour. I believe he still is to this day. And I thought for the Beastie Boys, they could go out as the Beastie Jr., kind of like a Hardee's, when you go and you get the Hardee's Jr. Anyway, it's a choice, and I thought they could make it. But that's not why I called. Uh, Thomas, uh, Mr. English, but I, I trust that you are doing well. You're, you're so knowledgeable, you and Pam. I, I'm always in, in your debt, uh, except for the money that Pam owes me. Now, <clears throat> I am, as you know, transforming the estate to complete natives. I had my landscaper out over the week, uh, Texas Timmy, Timmy Two Tums, and he uh, he brought a ditch witch with him, and it scared me bad, and I fell, of course, into the ditch, and I, uh, I hurt my, my, uh, my head pipe, and I had to wear a collarbone for a while, 
uh, but uh, your audience was very nice, uh, the Facebook, and they sent me many greetings. One uh, current theme, and I've received this from many people, is, Saul, what the heck is your problem? And another one that just said, what is wrong with you? So I take that as an expression of, of love and concern. I saved some of my favorites here. Uh, Saul, what's your problem? Saul, get better soon. God help us. And then another one. Hey, Saul, it's Bud from prison. I'm out now. Oh, I don't think that one's too good. Anyway, guys, my question. And, I, you know, we all have the backyard and the barbecue. And I'm going to have one next year. And perhaps uh, we could have some of your listeners come. But I'm wondering... I have made in the past the dandelion wine, but I, I don't particularly want to use dandelions because I prefer a native. And, uh, guys, could you speak on any uh, plant, a bush, a tree, a tree bush, if you would, that has a fruit that I could make a wine from and serve uh, for my guests? Okay? Thank you, men. It's your friend, Saul, uh, from gardening in New Jersey, the garden. <laughs> that that was that might have been the best call we've ever gotten. <laughs> and he did have a question there. I thought it was just a ramble. For no, a while, you know, I, I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, where is this going? Like from Beastie Boys, about you know, R.I.P. M.C.A. Adam Yauch. Um, but and, and second, before I forget, I'm no deadbeat. I don't owe Saul money. I don't owe anyone money. So I, I have debt. That. He sounded pretty con- convicted. That I pay my debts. <laughs> <laughs> I pay my debts. But <laughs> what? A, what? He said he hurt his head pipe. He hurt, and, and he, he had, had to wear a collarbone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think everyone's always wearing a collarbone. Yeah, but I'm all. I'm glad that our our listeners are are uh, tending to Saul and and wishing him well and. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, that was good, but I don't have a wine, but I did just learn, unfortunately, just past its prime, you know, we mentioned elderflower liqueur. I did learn how to make elderflower liqueur, which mm-hmm. is relatively simple. I, I think they were saying take a quart-sized container, fill it with vodka, and then add 20 blooms into that and let it sit for about a week or two and then – pull the blooms out and add sugar to taste and you have elderflower liqueur so that may be a, a very nice summery spring to summer type drink to serve like uh something to sip on in the garden and uh i i kind of let into this but i didn't even know it. i my my surprise for you is um i guess i'm gonna have to give it away here for salt but i'm gonna make a, a black cherry cordial Ooh. out of uh, and I, I just happened to look up, and I'm like, ah, what can I do with I have some black cherries along the hedgerow okay. by my house. I'm like, oh, what can I do with these? Because I know you've got to be able to do something. Yeah. And then, of course, it ended up being alcoholic. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you basically of just <laughs> you pick the, uh, the the black cherries off the tree. And they're they're kind of they're more bitter than yeah. what you're yes. used to. And they're really tiny. So it, when you're thinking of black cherries versus when you get black cherries, you got the big yeah. hunks of cherry in there. Not the same thing. These are really quite small. Um, I'm trying to think of like another berry that it's similar to, but uh, maybe like pinky nail size. I guess. Almost. I saw someone confusing it online with uh, black chokeberry. I, yes. So, yeah, yeah. That happened the other day. So th- they're very small. 
but you need for the recipe I had, you need about five cups, which uh, a lot. I shouldn't have a problem getting. Yeah. But I could see a lot of other people having a problem getting if you don't have like the bounty right yeah. next to your house. Um, you mix it with some water and some sugar, and you let it ferment for a couple days, and then uh, you keep tasting. Just make sure it's yeah. it's at the right concentration for you. And uh, after about a week, it's done. Awesome. And um, there's a whole recipe online. I'm when when I actually make it. I'll have to post the recipe with some pictures and, and of how it turned out, and uh, maybe I'll get a video of Fran's reaction to drinking it. Oh, that, so maybe you, we could do you, it on the bus. You can actually drink this, right? This is not. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. No, 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 I'm, no. I told you because to I, I brought up black cherry soda. So, yeah, I, and yeah. I've actually had black cherry uh, hard look like. And that's uh, actually how it started. Was I was looking up how to make black cherry wishnyak. And there was some mix, mix it with vodka, do all this stuff. I'm like, I didn't realize it was an alcoholic thing. And then I looked up something else and it told me how to make this black cherry cordial. And I'm like, that's easy enough. I already have a big fermenting jar. And it has, it's bubbly, apparently. Yeah, it's like, like a you carbonated can, you can in get a way. A six pack. I can't remember. It's a company that does a lot of the, the hard, hard drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like not your dad's or something. I can't remember what it's called. Oh yeah, there's like the not your dad's root beer. Yeah, they yep. do not your dad's black cherry. That's got to be pretty good. It, it is. If 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 you can pick that one up, that one's worth trying. So, but we do have a second call. Not to get too uh, sidetracked. So Saul, that gives Saul a couple great uh, things. I'm looking forward. Mm-hmm. We can try this one maybe during the next buzz. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. the the goal. All right, awesome. So uh, I want to play. We had a brand new caller calling. Hi, my name is Brandon Chase. I'm from, I live in upstate New York, and there is a park that is right next to my apartment complex that I've been wanting to fix up. I want to make it into a big native plant garden, but I'm a student. I don't have a lot of money. I also, it's also a public park, so I don't want to break any laws by doing anything, like planting anything I'm not allowed to, so. Where where do I start? Where where also can I get inexpensive plants to plant there? Um, I want originally many 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 years ago. I, I guess it was a world renowned alpine garden, and it does not look like that at all anymore. So, any ideas would be great. Thank you, and have a good day. That's a great phone call, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling in. So. I, I just want to start off always the most important thing is don't go rogue. Make sure you get permission from mm-hmm. the park before you start tinkering um, because we don't want to see anyone getting locked up for – Yeah. For, yeah. And because uh, I've, I've even heard of people who were just collecting litter in the park. They went into the wooded areas in, in parks um, near them, and they just started picking, picking up trash and taking it home with them, and they actually got in trouble. Yeah. And, like, the people complained to the park rangers that these people were just doing whatever the hell they wanted. And yeah. from then on, they started to ask permission. But they thought they were doing something really good. And some people, uh, I think if they really understood what they are doing, yeah. would have realized it was something really good. But they didn't like how they were doing it and, and complained. Um, a lot of the parks, uh, which I didn't realize up until a couple, probably months ago, really, have friends groups. And yeah. they'll like uh, some of the ones that that come to mind are friends of High School Park, which uh, I think we referenced last week. Yeah, friends at the West Hicken, um, uh, friends of Penn Treaty Park. Yeah. Uh, there's all these friends groups for these parks that help with volunteering to take care of the parks. So first, see if your park has one of those. 
Um, and if not, see about how to go about starting one of those. Yeah. So you can yeah. you can get people to help you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, you can also see if there's other groups in the area that are willing to help mm-hmm. with that park and get involved, which you can pull your resources yeah, out. Yeah, I know, like in, in New Jersey, we have chapters of our, our Native Plant Society. So there's the New Jersey Native Plant Society, but then you have the Rancocas chapter and you yeah. have the Highlands chapter and you have all these different chapters across the state. Uh from Pennsylvania, right? I'm forgetting. Yeah. But uh, so see if the Pennsylvania Native Plant Society has or he was in New chapter York. or New York, yeah, yeah, upstate, upstate New, York. New York. See if New York has Wild Ones chapters or, or Native Plant Society chapters, and find a local one, and see if there's other people in your area who would want to do it with you. Uh, more hands make lighter work, that's yeah. for sure. And then from the the plant perspective, um, the best way I could think of, if you want inexpensive plant material is to uh well again get permission from either even the park itself if they have native plant populations on the premises get permission to collect seed from those those areas and then you can either just scatter it in the new areas or bring it home and germinate it germinate some seedlings um if you can't get if they don't have native plants you can't get access there ask about uh, other parks nearby or or even as a landowner and you just happen to see some native plants along their a wild area along the road go up and ask them and see if uh, if you're able to collect seed off of that that's a, a really um, inexpensive way to do it because even the containers that you use to germinate the seedlings in um, you don't need much more than like a paper bag or a plastic bag yeah. and then uh, some old bottles and and egg cartons work great yeah um because then you can use little cells like that and then you can even just cut them out and plant the whole thing you don't have to yeah. um so yeah all, all the little plastic containers you don't need something fancy as far no. as a pot goes you can you, can, you, you can, can do it really bare bones with stuff you just have around the house you can repurpose a lot of things and do it really uh inexpensively you know and and the main thing is that we've talked about on numerous episodes is have a plan mm-hmm. um yeah. start small don't try to go too big uh Make sure you're removing if it's invasives and you're you they allow you to start with a small area that you're removing the invasives from that area. Have a plan of what's going in um, and and follow through on that plan. But just do small steps. You don't have to go big. Small will because more than likely if it's out of control, you you or your group is going to be doing maintenance on that area mm-hmm. as well. So yep. don't yep. bite off more than you can chew and and start off small and make a difference that way. And then hopefully once a difference can be seen more and more people will be apt to mm-hmm. to help but yeah. definitely just start off by by contacting the park and and see what can be done and go from there and if you have more questions call back in um and and hopefully some of our listeners will will share on uh the facebook group yeah. as well another thing once you have a group is you look up some of these uh, organizations even beyond the native yeah. plant societies look up things like the Xerxes Society and and um, your Audubon groups and those kind of places because one they often have like cheaper inexpensive signage and the signage goes a long way into getting people to adopt that space and, and think of it as something beneficial yeah um, a lot of times you just have like there'll be if you had a weedy mess and people walk by it, and there's no sign. They're like, oh, that doesn't look that great. But you have a sign that says, oh, this is pollinator habitat. This is bird habitat. Then they're like, oh, this is doing something. So, yeah, it might not look like a formal garden, but it's doing something beneficial, and that's really good. Um, and also, they'll have some some programs sometimes where they will help you get plant material or, or uh, 
grant dollars to yeah. start these projects. Xerxes so. gave away, was it 50 pollinator kits this oh, yeah. spring yeah. that we, we partnered with to supply plant material and they provided signage mm -hmm. and the plant material for a pollinator garden. So, and that's great ways to check with these organizations, see what programs they have running, check with your local NRCS. Um, mm -hmm. there, there may be ways and grants for you to get plant material that that you didn't know about. Yeah, so. but it's a, a great idea because there's a lot of people who don't have, they live in apartments, they live in cities, and they don't have ways, they, they're really interested in native plants, they're really interested in helping the environment and wildlife, but they don't have the the means to property-wise. This is a great way to do it, is, yeah. is donate your time to your local parks and help them become those spaces because it doesn't just benefit you, then it benefits everyone. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So. Awesome. Um, do we have a topic this week? Yes, we, we didn't did. Really yeah, we were we were brainstorming yesterday, and we're like, ah, what are we going to talk about? And we didn't want to go topicless again. So, um, and having first uh, Mount Cuba Center and then Bowman's Hill on, we said, what are some other really awesome places to go see native plants? And uh, so we brainstormed, and obviously we're somewhat biased because we're both from new jersey central new jersey so the places we're going are tend to be in the mid-atlantic um and this is where our listeners come in because we want you guys to let us know uh either through the group or through email the places you like to see this stuff and uh places you like to experience native plants and see them in um just in the wild or in, in yeah. cultivated places so yeah so def this is definitely going to be a facebook group conversation so mm -hmm. make sure you join so you can be a part of it but you can join in on any social media twitter uh instagram whatever you choose so um you know the the start off like you said mount cuba center we we talked extensively about that we also talked about bowman's yeah. hill but one and, that well i'll i'll we should probably say where they are too mount cuba center is in uh, northeastern or Delaware. northern Delaware. There isn't yeah. really a northeastern, yes. northwestern <laughs> Delaware. It's kind of just northern Delaware, um, and a uh, really cool place. Most mostly cultivated, or so I thought, until we talked to Nate and realized how many natural areas yeah. that you can now go hike through and, and walk the trails through. But that's a great uh, a great place to not only see these cultivated gardens and kind of picture. Okay, this is what will happen if I'm using native plants and some native cultivars and want to make it look formal versus uh i want to see how stuff looks in a natural setting and maybe i want to replicate a natural setting um so if you're in the the southeastern pa delaware southern new jersey uh even down in maryland area that's a, a nice little day trip where you can go and and see some great uh, demonstrations of how to use native plants yeah and and bowman's hill is just outside of new hope uh pennsylvania which is along mm -hmm. the delaware river um there's a lot of great attractions there along with the Wildflower Center because you have Bowman's Tower. Um, you have Washington's Crossing State Park on both mm -hmm. the Pennsylvania side and the New Jersey side. And you're just outside of New Hope, which is a great small town. There's yeah. great wineries and breweries and food there. Um, you can easily spend more than a day in that oh, area. Yeah. Um, but, you know, given their protected acres where you can see land in Pennsylvania that you will never see natural like that. Mm -hmm. probably again yeah. there it's one of the few protected places so but one of the the first places i thought of when we were talking about this was saddler's woods which is in mm -hmm. haddon heights new jersey um and it's one of the last few I, I can't remember how many acres it is but um old growth forests um there's there's trees 13 feet in diameter mm -hmm. in, in in those woods and 
I, you know, I feel bad because I didn't research this off the top of my head, but it was originally owned by a former slave and I, whose last name was Sadler. I can't remember the first name. And when he willed it, he wanted to make sure that no timber was ever cut on that land. Mm-hmm. The sad part about it, and it's it's just outside of Philadelphia as well, but the sad part about it is it's so like built up around it. There's mm-hmm. a school on one side. There's a shopping center on another side. There's a major roadway on one side. You know, it's it's completely surrounded. So there's not a lot of understory left. You know, there's a lot of deer, uh, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but it's man for to to walk these woods and see trees of this to this magnitude and know how long that they've been there is pretty phenomenal. And and the group at Sadler's Woods protecting it and and raising mm-hmm. they do a, a really cool Halloween walkthrough where they do uh, carved pumpkins. It's it's a it's a pretty awesome place. Yeah, um, another place that came to mind which I haven't spent enough time up there, but is uh, the Great Swamp. And that's a, a national wildlife refuge in northern New Jersey, uh, kind of near Bernardsville. I have never been there, but uh, but they have some really really cool trails. A lot of invasive pressure that they've they actively uh, combat with, with like a lot of other places on our yeah. list too. But that's a really cool place because it's got a variety of different areas. Like they have well, it's a, they have a big swamp, so you're gonna see a lot of wetland plants that you wouldn't see in a lot of other areas as well. But yeah. um, but a bunch of different hiking trails up there. It's some place I always forget about when uh, my wife and I say, hey, well, let's we want to go on a hike or, or a walk someplace. I just don't think about going up that far. I'm more thinking south and going to the Pine Barrens, but. We're going to have to go up there again soon. Yeah. I've never been there. I've never been there. Um, so, and they have a really nice um, like education center there, too, that has okay. a whole a whole programming list. That, that's that's why I was up there one day is they had a program that was going on. And I went to that. But, um, and uh, yeah, no really cool place up there. Uh, to me, I uh, Agatha and I both love going to the Sourland Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, Baldpate Mountain is a, a wonderful view. Uh, and, again, that's on the – jersey side just outside of washington's crossing state park mm-hmm. so that's another area you can meet if you're you're hitting uh bowman's hill but it's it's just a different um topography than what you expect it's it's rocky mm-hmm. um it's more piedmont uh it's a really interesting heritage to it um and there's a lot of great trails and and they've done there's so many organizations you know sourlands conservancy friends of hopewell valley open space dnr greenway um, all of these are right there in that area helping to protect those trails and that natural space. So yeah. and they've done a wonderful job with that. Yeah, and uh, and they also hold a lot of events. I know Sarlin's Conservancy just had something a week or two ago at uh, Brick Farm Tavern, which is yeah. a really awesome restaurant. One of the best restaurants in the state of New Jersey is uh, is kind of tucked away on an old farm um, in the Sarlin Mountains. Yeah. And they had a, an event there, but they have like a – a bike ride and and a arts festival i think there's a lot of stuff that they do that gets you to that area they do for more than festival just, yeah just walking around awesome so um another one somewhat in that area too is uh is duke farms yeah. which was episode number two yeah <laughs> going way back um they do have done a great job of again fencing off areas and uh and kind of keeping the deer out so you can see what these landscapes would look like with no to minimal deer pressure you know and that wasn't really while it was still under doris duke that wasn't i 
think the original vision it mm-hmm. was more formal gardens mm-hmm. uh with conservatories and then they really have done it the great meadow there is phenomenal yeah. Uh, yeah. um and it's it's there's some great cool things you can discover while you're there you can easily spend a day bring your bicycle you can take a, a tram through or you can uh ride or walk through but it's 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 a great place yeah, so no, that's a really cool place because you see the history of it, and uh, and it, they have some non-native plants like in the the orchid greenhouse yeah. as well. So there's a a little bit of stuff for everyone. Great place to walk around. Great place to bring bring kids if they're in strollers or if they're in little bikes. Those kind of things. It's a really really neat place to to take a, a trip. I agree. So. I agree. So um, I I really enjoyed. And it's I, I saw very little, but Agatha and I we have a the the nursery has a, a house up in the Adirondacks, mm-hmm. and we we were only up there for a couple of days, but we did go to Saratoga Spa State Park, mm-hmm. which has natural occurring geysers, um, yeah. which was pretty awesome. So that's not something you get to see on the East Coast, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, j- just anywhere. So to be able to go see a naturally occurring geyser and and walk some of the natural lands at the the state park was yeah, pretty and phenomenal. they have some cool native plants there i remember seeing uh white wood aster and i believe it was um stiff stem goldenrod oh nice uh or blue stem goldenrod i forget saudega casea is the one i saw okay but i forget what the, the common name of it is but um I, I saw that on that trip and uh and some invasive plants as well but it was a, a really cool hike they have an old dam that's up past that geyser yeah. that we walked to um, but the whole park it's a, itself, and that's they have a whole concert venue, so that's a cool place to go, just kind of get away and, and walk around. And I, I hope you saw it because I, I don't know how to describe it. When you walk past the geyser, there's like a wall of, like a like a rock yes, wall, but yeah. it's just like all the the, the, the mineral I can't water, the mineral com- mineral coming down, and just kind of built up over time. Yeah. It's really really cool. Yeah. But uh, awesome. another place you can drink um, drink water from naturally occurring springs. Some of it's good, some of it's not. It's uh <laughs> some of it is very carbonated and, and yeah. very uh, sodium Which, rich. Yes. I guess yes. this is the way to put it. But uh, no, really, really unique place going to Saratoga State Park. But why I put the Adirondacks on there was you have all these really like the geological history of it is really interesting because you have uh, these bogs that have formed where you have naturally occurring peat, um, and even on our our nursery up there. Uh, or our property up there, there's there's a like anomaly that happens where the I guess it happens where where beavers would dam up um, dam up and then form ponds. The moss that was there would end up, or, or I'm trying to think, I don't know the exact plants that would happen to, but basically they it would float up. They would the anaerobic conditions would form a gas a gas layer mm-hmm. and would float the 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 what had been the ground level up to the surface so you have mm-hmm. these floating islands and i thought when we were kids and we we acquired that property my parents acquired it and we would go up there we're like wow there's these floating islands that's really really cool and you could literally swim underneath these things if you wanted to we were too scared but you could <laughs> and um <clears throat> But then when I was in school up there, I realized, I learned, oh, this is something that happens. It didn't just happen here. This happens in a lot of places. That's one of the things that happens in that area. So you had, uh, like, pitcher plants and cranberries oh, yeah. and um, wool grass. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff that's growing out in these really unique habitats that form out there. 
Um, and then you have the mountains, and, and you'll have, if you hike the high peaks, you have the actual, like, naturally occurring timber lines and yeah. stuff where you have just ch- changes in the, the flora um, due to elevation. There's a lot of stuff going on there that you just don't get in many other places along the East Coast. Definitely not in New Jersey. So. No, it's 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 pretty awesome to see, and it's it's pretty pristine as well. Yeah, so. and going back to New Jersey, we have the New Jersey Pine Barrens, which you have, what, Batstow, Whitesbog. Um, Fran, you went on uh, Pineland's Adventures trip last year. Last year, I did the the kayaking we did was phenomenal, and it was one of those days where we didn't, you know, we were with a group, but it was spaced out enough where we didn't see people all day, Mm -hmm. you know, until the very end. And it's, you know, it it was you you see cranberries, you see cardinal flower. There was just so many unique things. We saw a lot of snakes that day. Mm -hmm. It was, it was just really cool, you know, with that big a preserve. and everyone kind of taking care of it you know even the the drive there are all on back dirt roads getting to where the kayak launches yeah. so it was it's pretty awesome so and through pylons adventures or the the pylons preservation lines which are, are conjoined in a way yeah. um they have uh, like naturalist trips and and uh horticultural not horticultural but botany trips where you can actually just go and focus on the plants you can do kayak trips or canoe trips where the the botany side of things is kind of a side uh side quest for you so there's a lot going on there it's a great place even if you're not from the area uh to go and explore if you're into nature that's an awesome place to go that's a great one that's a great one i know on the list you have longwood gardens and when people think of gardens kind of like mount cuba you think of the manicured gardens but they did install a meadow yeah i don't know how long ago it was uh, it was within the last decade, I'm yeah. pretty sure. It, it wasn't always there, but mm-hmm. it's it's more of a, a more recent thing. Like you can get the best of both worlds. You can you can that I mean that the Brandywine Valley's such a beautiful area mm-hmm. anyway, but you can enjoy the the native meadows plus the formal gardens and the conservatory and there's so many great things. The Brandywine Battlefield yeah. is right down the road. Kennett Square, uh, which is the mushroom capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brandywine Conservancy is there, and they I know they had focus do a yeah. lot of focus on native plants as well. The, the Brandywine River Museum, which mm-hmm. which houses a lot of uh, Wyeth family, uh, N.C. Wyeth and, and Andrew Wyeth, um, who who lived in that area. Mm-hmm. I, I think they they went to New England in the summer, and they stayed in the Brandywine Valley in the winter, if I remember correctly. But you know, there's a lot of interesting history in that area as well. And Longwood Gardens, whether it's Native plants are not as something for for everyone to mm-hmm. see anyway. Yeah, but that that meadow is really cool because yeah. they have some paths carved out into it, and it's just on like a rolling hillside. Yeah. And uh, so anytime, well, I don't want to say anytime here you go. If you go in the winter, it's not going to look like a <laughs> much unless you know what a wintertime meadow yeah. should look like. Yes. But if you go in the the late spring, summer, like fall, it's just glowing with color and. It's something whenever we would go, I would always make a point to at least walk past if we didn't walk in. I actually like being up that high vantage point, and you can kind of see the whole thing rolling, and you see yeah. people walking around, but you see all the different colors, and you can know what it is just from even that distance because that's what should be blooming then. Um, you used to be a member there, actually. Yeah, you? we were a member for a year. That was yeah. my wife's uh, birthday present. We were had a year-long membership. And, awesome. Uh, it's just far enough. We didn't go as much as I would have liked to, yeah. but we went once a season, and, and it was definitely worth it. And their Christmas so. display is oh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. top-notch. 
A uh, couple last ones just to, that we'll roll through quickly is, uh, and also local ones. Yeah. Um, you have the Burlington County Park System, which was episode four, yeah. five. It was an early episode. We talked about Crystal uh, Lake. We were, things like we had, yeah, we had Jen Balava, who's the the naturalist for for Burlington County Parks, and the idea was to have her on to say, "Hey, COVID just locked down." Here's some things you can do by enjoying nature, and then they shut down the <laughs> state and county parks yeah. like the day before we were going to record. Yeah, but um, but that's they put a big emphasis on using native plant material in a lot of the areas there. Um, uh, Mercer Meadows, who we haven't had on the podcast but that yeah. they put in a big meadow and that's a part of the mercer county park system and i have not seen that yet and that's just a big um meadow with with paths carved into it that they installed yeah. in a, a fairly suburban area um we talked about millennium park in chicago which obviously isn't all native but they do have a native focus in some areas of the park i've been to millennium yeah. park but it's been quite some time and i don't remember that was prior to me working here yeah. so that was um i i had a uh, a business trip there and uh we we're actually staying outside of chicago on the mcdonald's campus of all oh. things and um and then i had a little bit of time before my flight and i or a lot of time before my flight so i like went down with my carry-on bag and walked around millennium park by myself for a couple hours they were warming up for a concert and um saw the bean or whatever uh -huh. it's supposed to be uh, yeah <laughs> and then walked over to some of the native gardens that were there and, awesome uh, and um it, that was one of the places this is right after i started here full time um and uh it was evident because it was like oh this is a it was a like a double bloom echinacea okay. next to a a uh, probably another cultivar of echinacea but a not a more standard looking echinacea purpurea and i'm like Oh yeah, there's no pollinators on this one, but this one is no. swarming with and, them. It was you, really cool to and, see that up close. And Chicagoland Arboretum introduced a lot of those echinaceas, so mm -hmm. I can understand why they were there. But yeah. you were only blocks away from the original Geodono Geodono's deep yeah. dish. I didn't. didn't I didn't have time to to uh, to eat. I okay. like literally had time to walk around for like an hour and a half. Okay. And, uh, oh, and it was like at like two thirty or something like that. <laughs> So I'm like, it's in between lunch and dinner. I'm not going to. I'm but, um, questioning your priorities. My, my carry-on luggage broke halfway <laughs> through my walk. So then I <laughs> like I couldn't throw the shoulder strap on anymore. Uh, and then the last one is uh, Temple Arboretum, which I've only been to. I was given a presentation there. So I was only there in the dark. But looking at pictures and then talking to Kathy Salisbury again, I can't remember what episode it is, but um, a couple months ago, it was a... I, I, it's another place I just need to go back yeah. and, and see it yeah and, so. and and not on the list I wanted to mention too Tyler Arboretum mm -hmm. uh, which is I, I get confused which which university is that because I, I get confused with Swarthmore's because you have the Morris Arboretum also, so I kind of get them confused. I think but... uh, Swat or Morris Arboretum is UPenn. Okay, mm -hmm. so Tyler Ar Arboretum I think is Swarthmore. I want to say so but they were the recipients of the 1300 seedlings that we had provided for the display at the philadelphia flower show this year so uh they have natural areas that they're continually adding to and that's another 12 to 1300 trees uh native trees that they're putting in there so yeah and so we talked a little bit about some places we wanted to go fran you were mentioning you wanted to go to to yellowstone i've been to yellowstone actually to yellowstone. But I, I want to go to yosemite I've been yeah. to Yellowstone. There's a lot of those national parks out west that I've, for years, I've wanted to go to. I got to go to Yellowstone and, as a kid, but, like, 
again, you don't take as much out of it from no, a, a natural perspective you when, don't. You're, when it, you're that young. And that's why it's worth revisiting. So we would love to hear some of our listeners' favorite uh, places to visit. So make sure when we post on social media, you chime in because we want to know other areas of the country. We're, we're becoming traveling traveling men yeah well maybe right. you it's a little harder for you <laughs> with i am now that my house is almost sold i'm gonna have a little more disposable income yeah. to to do a little more traveling but that's it's become one of my favorite parts of going to places really around the world is seeing the natural habitats and and you have you literally have a, a phone in your pocket that can is like the key to a lot of this and um even places when when we were in europe for our honeymoon when we're in italy i'm taking pictures of plants because i don't know what they are and we didn't have the the service plan while we were away from the house so i'd get back to the apartment and and hook up yeah. the wi-fi and i'd identify everything that i saw and i'm like okay oh this is a non-native here or, this is the native stuff this year so it was it's really cool to do that kind of stuff when you go to a lot of yeah. these areas, even if you don't know the plant material that's native to the Southwest or Northwest or some yeah. pla other places not near you. You have a phone in your pocket and you can figure it out relatively quickly. Yeah. Like I've been through the botanical gardens on Barbados. That was pretty mm -hmm. awesome. And at the time, I didn't even have the appreciation for it then that I would have yeah. for it now. But so we're at about an hour and 10 minutes. All right. Um, so yeah, you want to do a pod deck? Yeah, let's do a pod deck right. and then we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. My my secret during the credits is going to be a quick one. This one, <clears throat> I'll keep it short. Uh, I'm trying to pick one that's going to be short and easy. Well, you can't says, pick too much. No, yeah. three. <laughs> it says three things I wish I had done differently. Maybe we could just do one thing. Yeah, yeah. And and keep it industry related. Mm -hmm. So. Of course, I I just put that right back in the uh, deck. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing you would have done differently in the industry. Let's see. Um, man, there's so many things. I would have done yeah. Differently. You, you know, I I think. You know, when anything else, sometimes when when I when I came into the 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 native plant side of the industry um i didn't have a background in native plants so mm. you come into it as more of a business uh approach than a lifestyle approach and it's still a business we talk about that all the time you have to be profitable mm. but you know early on i didn't have the same acceptance that i have now that cultivated over 15 years of working here to get to where you know it's all steps in your growth so early on um I maybe didn't have the same appreciation doing what I do now. Mm -hmm. And it's I don't know how I could have done it differently because it's it's growth. You kind of have to you have to learn to crawl and then learn to walk and I think that's all natural natural progressions, but I think I I think early on in my career I here I wish I could have handled things a little differently. Um mm -hmm. just because I have a whole different appreciation and approach today than i had 15 years ago for um you know so that's i i don't know how i would have yeah. done it differently though you know because it's it's it, i think it's all that natural yeah and so mine i i feel the same way i would have i wish i had more of an appreciation for what we were doing before uh i actually did yeah but 
in addition, I wish I knew how much of this was actually connected when I, when even growing up, like I yeah. grew up with this nursery and um, always knew that the nursery was doing really incredible things by supplying native plants to natural habitats. But I didn't see the importance of natural habitats outside of really like stormwater and all that. Um, and, uh, and like flood control, those kind of things. It was like, it was still a, the, the native plants go here and yes. then, but they're not for at home. Um, but I guess the big thing I would change, I would say we should have started this podcast five years ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I've, I've been a, like a podcast fan for a de- over a decade or about a decade. I guess that's when they really started to pick up. Yeah. But, um, and, uh, it was mostly just cause some online outlets I was following started podcasts. I'm like, well, I, I, why not? Why not listen to it? And then I fell in love with the format and then as I started to realize, oh, yeah, if you are interested in something, look up and see if there's a podcast about it. And that's a great way to. Yeah. So I always saw, like, the power in that that brand. But I never thought about us doing a podcast. It was always, um, oh, other people do a podcast. And, hey, we have something cool to offer. Maybe we can be a guest on, yeah. on a different podcast. And uh, so, which is tough to do. Like, I've. We're we're both like humble yeah. enough in a way that yeah. it's like I'm not gonna say oh yeah you should have me on your podcast yeah but I wouldn't like I'd be lying if I said I didn't um I didn't like go and seek out some of these people at conferences to talk to them just to so I could kind of demonstrate hey maybe I would be a good guest because of our conversation I, I've I've been saying for a long time I want to be a guest on someone else's oh, podcast yeah. I I've been asked for one podcast. But it wasn't industry related, and it hadn't it hasn't materialized yet. I yeah. was asked to be part of a an episode for a true crime podcast, which would be very cool. But I would really like to be a guest on an industry related podcast, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially now knowing what I I know now. Yeah, yeah. But I but, I agree. I, I agree. I'm sorry. And it's and it's not necessarily just from us getting our name out there. It's more so I've learned so much, and I've gained so much of an appreciation for all these facets. Like I like I said, I. When I started working here, I didn't realize how interconnected everything was yeah. and how, okay, yeah, these plants are great for stormwater, they're great for restorations, but those restorations are also great for a lot of wildlife, whether you like to hunt or you like to bird watch or you like insects or you like all this different stuff or fish. It's all great for, yeah. they're great for everything. And um, and that was really when we set out, that was part of our yeah. mission was to say, hey, people need to realize how great, yeah, you might not appreciate um people who hunt or people who fish or people who bird watch or, or like insects but you need to because you're working towards the same stuff what you're yeah. doing is exactly the same you're just like it was almost combative at times where people who oh I really like native plants because I like the plants or I like the insects but those people who hunt oh they're no good well you're doing the same things mm-hmm. the, the Tur- National Wild Turkey Federation and Ducks Unlimited were buying the same exact plants as as the Xerxes Society and, and uh, yeah. so, like Sarlins Conservancy, they're buying the same stuff for the same purposes. They want to create healthy habitats. Yeah, they were doing the exact same things, but they would sometimes battle with each other because they didn't like the ideology behind what they were doing. Yeah, and, and mm. so much of my professional growth has really accelerated because of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Had we done it five years ago, I can't imagine, you know, because I look back and I'm like, all this time, like you have influence. I wish I would have been a better advocate for some of mm-hmm. these things yeah. 10 years ago, 12 yeah. years ago, you know, and it's, I'm happy that we've reached the point where we're at, but I agree with you. Had yeah. we done it five years ago, yeah. imagine what we could accomplish. Yeah, that's, I guess, what I wish I did different was, yeah. I wish instead of saying, hey, this is a guy who has a podcast about 
somewhere in the the sphere of native plants yeah. or or even just plants and in, in general and creating habitat i would like to be a guest on his podcast but i'm too humble to say hey you should have me as a guest um i wish i just said why don't we start our own podcast and and have these conversations these same conversations yeah. except we're we're driving it and, and if you've listened to us from the beginning like there's a big difference between episode one and episode 62 and i don't know that we would have been qualified to have you know i know bowman's hill came later on and we planned to have them earlier but it was a much better mm-hmm. episode that we had it now than had we had it a year and a half ago yeah. so it's um like you're you're getting to witness our growth as well Oh yeah, you know, as as we're doing mm-hmm. this, so it's I, I I look forward to five years from now. Yep. Yeah. So cool, yeah. cool. I think All that right. wraps it up. Yeah. So that is it. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz. Thank you everyone for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet, presented by Pylons Nursery. As always, thank you to RJ Comer for our buzz theme music. Make sure you stream or bar- buy RJ's music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume your music. Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, keep calling the question and comment line at 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. Ask a question, leave a comment. We'll play it on a future episode of The Buzz. And... Uh, don't forget the Facebook group because we want to hear all your suggestions of your favorite natural places, and we need you to vote. Yes, yes. For either one. For either one. So, I'm not even yeah. saying for me. <laughs> I'm just saying just vote. Just vote. Yeah. We, but, wanna, we, we want you to vote for who actually did the I, better job presenting I, their article. I think I would have been less bitter had yeah. the had you won like 30 to 19. Yeah, yeah. I would have been less – like I, it would, still would have been a loss, but at least I would have felt better about yeah. it. So <laughs> – but keep the conversation going there. So uh, we now have shirts. In fact, I'm, I'm wearing, wearing one, and uh, and we also uh, have mugs. I have I have my Fran mug. Has a mug. We actually had a request if we we're going to release hats, and mm-hmm. that is something we're working on. The platform we're using this this uh, spring or, or Teespring, whatever it's called, that platform is it's a little more difficult to launch hats, but uh, it's something I'm working on. So we should have them up soon. I would have worn one of my shirts, mm-hmm. but they came in uh, came in <laughs> yesterday, and. It, when you're getting it, make sure you wash it. There's a strong vinegar scent that that I think is part of the the, the process yeah, the, of putting the putting the, the logo on and all that. Yeah. So so yeah, I have the one. It's I didn't got get our, a chance to wash it. Native plants, healthy planet on the front, and then on the back it says buzzing about native plants, and it's yeah. got all insects on there. Um, oh, not just insects. There's a a, a spider on there as well. Ooh. So and um, and a hundred percent of the proceeds from that go to support the the Xerxes Society. So we have like that one, and then there's another one for New Jersey Audubon, and um, that goes directly to them. The rest of them are kind of get lumped into a general fund that we're gonna to donate as we see fit to these uh, organizations that we've had on. And as soon as so, we do, we'll let you know. Yeah. So that and that's going really great. I know a lot of people are putting up at the group. They got their shirts. Uh, I can't. Uh, wait to Noelle, wear who works here, she got her shirt, and yeah. <laughs> before we even got our shirt, and yeah. we ordered them at the same time, or even before. <laughs> yeah. The the sample ones we get take a little bit longer. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward to wearing mine on a future episode. But, yeah. So we'll just uh, if you if you're interested in the shirts, please go on there because it's really going to a good cause, um, and and is basically going to get native more native plants out there. Yeah. At the end of the day. Totally. So. Um, 
You can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcasts. When you're there, please do us a favor. Subscribe, leave a review like we just got the two new yeah. ones, which is, goes a long, long way um, towards helping us go up in the the basically how it works is the more reviews we get the more subscribers we get uh it gets us high in the rankings the higher we are in the rankings the higher we show on when you go to apple podcasts or your, you your podcast nature. driver yeah and you search nature you search for native plants we'll show up higher in that ranking yeah that's why it's really i haven't figured out the formula but that's what um if, what I figured out is that that, that goes a long yeah, way. Yeah, if your listens go up every month, but you're not getting new subscribers or new uh, reviews, then mm -hmm. you go down actually yeah. in the in the rating. So you have to kind of have all those three things happening, yeah. not just one yeah. of them. So, but that's how you get the circle bigger. Yeah. The more people see us, the more we can grow. And it. typically, I say share this with a friend. I'm going to tell you to go one step further. Grab your friend's phone and hit subscribe on their phone for us as well, because yeah. that that that's what really makes them yes, <laughs> the yes that helps. That and helps. we want to we want more people using native plants. One way to do that is by spreading our message a little bit further, totally. and that's how you can help us. Totally. So, so uh, it's secret time, right? Yes. And it's, yeah. it's my turn now. Deborah Rosenthal said last time that I glazed over the fact when I was saying how my nose was broken that I kind of glazed over that I got punched and she wanted to hear the story. And, and uh, it, it was a good story. Yeah, I it's, didn't tell it yet. It's something but, that should yeah, be told. You know, and it's a good story. And it's at first when I thought about it, I was like, I was 10, not a big deal. But then after I like said it out loud, I'm like, that's interesting. But I'm not going to share that today because that's a longer story. And we, we, we went a little bit further than, than normal. But in talking with Agatha the other day, Agatha the other day, we were talking about pools and I never said this out loud, even though I've had – I have a fear of diving boards, like a legit fear. Like you're not getting me on a diving board. And it's it, – I have some really weird phobias. Like I almost drowned as a kid, and then my parents made me take – like I was seven at the time. Um, and ever they made me take swimming lessons for like the next 10 years, <laughs> like where I became a lifeguard. Mm -hmm. And uh, – you know, and it was back in the 70s when I couldn't swim across the deep end, and the swimming instructor put me in the deep end and told my parents to go home and <laughs> said, I'm not calling your parents to pick you up until you can swim across the deep end. Like, I thought I was going to drown, and my parents were just sitting in the parking lot yeah, in their car, yeah. but I remember swimming across, getting out of the pool, and running through the hallways yelling for my mom and dad. But <laughs> I was at a pool once, and I saw a guy jump, but he didn't jump out far enough. And he scraped his entire spine on the diving board on the way down, and the pool kind of filled with blood, and they had to call an ambulance. And ever since then, you cannot get – like – and at swimming lessons, like we were being taught how to dive, and ever since then, I've been on a diving board once just to show my kids it was okay, mm -hmm. but I literally walked out to the <laughs> the end and just jumped off. Yeah. But like I won't go on a small like backyard pool diving – but like I won't – like – as soon as I get near it, I'm like, well, what if I slip or what if I jump too early? Like, it's a legit, I don't know. I got this weird phobia with it now. I'm trying to look up if that actually has a name. Oh, all right. I'm curious. I, I don't know if there's many other, uh, well, no, there's a whole bunch of videos of people <laughs> of, uh, of what seemingly looks like toddlers who are all afraid of diving boards. But um, no, I, I can't see that it has a, like a dive before for uh, Nobia. 
Okay. Name. Uh, There's no phobia names. I, you for. know, the thing is, I've known my whole life, but never said it to anyone or never really acknowledged it until I went to tell Agatha that I had. I was like, wow, I actually have a fear that, like, it's not something I would have ever have even thought of. Oh, but. wait, wait. I think it is uh, uh, similar. Catapetophobia. Is oh, the fear like... of jumping off high and low places, and usually is so associated with acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, heights don't bother me. And it's yeah, the common trigger is getting injured from jumping off a platform, like a diving board. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, like this. This guy got messed up. Like he didn't. Mm. Like it's not like he was paralyzed or anything. It just scraped the skin. Yeah. Like yeah. off his back. Like I remember seeing him because they had to carry him out of the pool and all that, and it was it was pretty traumatic as a kid because everyone had to get out of the pool because the, the the water was red. So, ever since then, that that kind of killed my my dreams of being an Olympic diver. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, um, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode for a rooted discussion that is already confirmed. So we know it's going to be a rooted discussion. So mm-hmm. we're excited to bring this one to you. Um, we, we've had this one in the works for a while, so it's finally coming to fruition. Uh, so we'll see you on that one. Thank you again. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.